0: This program provides education, not advice. Sponsors pay a fee for endorsements and interviews. See the TruthAYF.com disclosure page for details. This is where technology, innovation, and personal finance come together. This is the truth about your future with Rick Edelman. It's Friday, February 9th. Coming up on today's show, it's an election year, a really important one. And among everybody's fears of election fraud, is blockchain the solution? First, if I were to ask you to name the two biggest investment stories of the year, what would you say they are? I'll bet you can name them crypto, thanks to the new Spot Bitcoin ETFs, the most successful ETF launch in history, and AI, of course. But did you know that within both the crypto and AI communities, their biggest excitement is about the merging of these two technologies? Talk about chocolate and peanut butter. If they pull that off, it'll be massive for both of them. The entire conversation is around one thing, authenticity. We all know the biggest fear of AI, that it makes it really easy to create fake information. Last year, when ChatGPT was new... I produced a podcast that was written by ChatGPT, and then I had the script recorded by another AI program that produced the script in my voice. The whole thing took me less than five minutes and cost me $5. And when I played the podcast, nobody knew it wasn't me, including my producer, who's been with me for 30 years. It even took my wife Jean 30 seconds to realize something was off, but she didn't know what. If you missed that podcast, by the way, that I did a year ago, the link to it is in the show notes. Go listen, it's spooky. And that was a year ago. Since then, AI has only gotten more powerful. Today, you really can't know if an article or a photo or a video is genuine. You know that somebody posted a bunch of fake porn videos of Taylor Swift. How long will it be that we start seeing videos of Trump and Biden saying things they never really said? Or you getting robocalls from them that aren't really from them? But there is a solution to this problem of deepfakes, and I'm going to tell you what it is in 30 seconds.
1: The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman is brought to you by Schwab. You want control of your financial future, and Schwab knows that. That's why when it comes to managing your wealth, Schwab gives you more choices, like full-service wealth management and advice when you need it most. You can also invest on your own and trade on Thinkorswim, the powerful, award-winning trading platforms. Plus, you'll get low costs, transparent pricing, and 24-7 live help. Because Schwab understands it's your financial journey, and they believe you should have choices in how you invest. Visit schwab.com to learn more.
0: There is a solution to deepfakes. And a lot of technologists are saying that the solution is Bitcoin. A key feature of blockchain technology, which is the underlying technology that allows Bitcoin to work, The key feature is that it is a transparent database, and it's tamper-proof. If you post data onto the Bitcoin blockchain, the data is permanent, and it's time-stamped. Everybody can see it, and everybody knows when it was posted, but nobody can copy it, or edit it, or delete it. It's impossible to post a deepfake on a blockchain and fool anybody. Another problem with AI is bias. The AI provides information and evaluation, but it's doing that based on the code that created it. And that code was written by a human. If you have an unconscious bias, you might embed that in the code. As a result, an AI-powered chatbot might push you to a particular product or to a certain political party. Companies are using AI, for example, to decide who to hire. But what if there's bias in the code? Blockchain networks are now starting to be developed to solve this problem. One addresses AI bias by incentivizing diverse models to vie for the best responses. Validators reward top performers and eliminate biased ones. Another huge problem of AI, which I've mentioned to you before, is that it's a real energy hog. Performing trillions of calculations, which is what AI does, takes massive computer power. And the cost of building the data sets and storing all the information in the cloud its crazy expensive. The result is that only a few huge companies can afford all this. That's why you're seeing Microsoft and Amazon and Google all over this. But decentralized computer marketplaces like Akash and Render let you spread the computing requirements and the storage demands onto computers all over the world, your laptop. You can actually get paid to let them use your laptop when you're not. You know, you're going to see a lot of innovation coming out of AI. You know that. Well, now get ready for a lot of innovation in crypto as well to help AI do its thing. If you're bullish on one of these technologies, you now need to be bullish on the other one too. Hey, let me take a minute to specifically talk to the financial advisors who are listening to this podcast. I've got something that will really help you, our Wealth Management Convergence. This is a live, in-person conference. It's going to be West Palm Beach, March 10 to 12, and it's focused exclusively on giving you the investment strategies you need today, all the vital topics that matter right now. You'll learn about generative AI, exponential technologies, the latest on longevity, estate planning, crypto, a whole lot more. You'll also get to network with some of the biggest and most successful people in this business. Some of the most successful advisors in the country will tell you how they did it. And I guarantee you won't miss a thing because every session is main stage, no breakouts. And no sleepy PowerPoints, they're not allowed. Plus, you get plenty of CE credits. Wealth Management Convergence, it's exclusively for financial advisors and RIA firms. No fund companies, no product providers can register. So if you're a financial advisor, join me at Wealth Management Convergence, March 10 to 12 in West Palm Beach. Register right now, and I've got a promo code for you, exclusively for advisors listening to this podcast. Use the link in the show notes to register and enter discount code WMC2024. You'll save 100 bucks. Coming up next on the program, Nimitzani, the founder and CEO of VOTES, V-O-A-T-Z, and how he's using blockchain technology to prevent election fraud. How should you think about Bitcoin? Turn to a specialist. For six years, Bitwise has been helping investors access crypto. Bitwise manages the world's largest crypto index fund. They also offer six crypto ETFs. You get cutting-edge insights, expert Bitcoin research, and a nationwide team to help. Bitwise helps investors and advisors navigate crypto with confidence. Partner with a specialist. Look for ETFs backed by Bitwise. Bitwiseinvestments.com. Carefully consider the extreme risks associated with crypto before investing.
1: Support for Rick Edelman's podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, carefully read and consider fund investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in prospectus at Invesco.com.
0: Invesco Distributors, Inc. Well, here we are, 2024. It's an election year. And I don't know about you, but I don't think anybody is really looking forward to it. And I'm not talking about the divisiveness of the political campaigns and the us versus them and the, you know, Trump versus Biden or whatever. I'm not talking about that. That's a thing. That's a huge thing. And yeah, that's there. But reason I'm not really looking forward to the elections, I'm concerned about the attendant accusations that I think are going to prove to be inevitable over allegations of voter fraud. We saw how divisive this was in 2020, and I am fearful that it's going to be even worse in 2024 as we go through the primary season and ultimately the general election in November. Isn't there a better way that we can be managing our elections, that we can be assuring the right of every qualified American to vote, to secure their vote, to record their vote, and to tabulate the results. Well, guess what? There is. And to help us talk about this, I'm very happy to welcome onto the program Nimit Sani. He is the co-founder and CEO of VOTES, that's spelled V-O-A-T-Z. Nimit, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rick, for having me here. So Nimit has been running elections He's done more than 130 of them in six countries, and what is fascinating is that he's been using blockchain technology to do this, including a mobile app voting project in West Virginia in 2018. In 2022, Votes was used by 15 cities and towns in Canada, where they were the first blockchain-backed public elections in Canadian municipal election history. Nimit has a graduate degree from Carnegie Mellon in computer science. He was in the Young American Leaders Program at the Harvard Business School. So Nimit, I'm really excited to be talking to you about this. The first question I need to ask you is why voting? I mean, you've got a master's in computer science and you decided to focus on voting. Tell me your story. Why voting? Why is that a big deal to you?
2: Yeah, it was uh, somewhat of an accident. My brother and I were participating in a hackathon competition a few years ago. And the theme of the hackathon was hack to the future. What's the one thing you would do in the future and how would you do it? And what really intrigued us at the time was the prize money. They had the usual prizes and they also had a Bitcoin, which got us to read the paper. We were very intrigued and figured this could be a good way to ensure data security and tamper resistance. And so we ended up prototyping a completely new election system from scratch that utilized smartphones, biometrics, and the blockchain. And to our surprise, we ended up winning the first prize. That led to a series of events and leaving my job. And eventually we started votes. So it was uh, quite a bit accidental. If we hadn't been to the hackathon, we probably would be here
0: but why did you focus on voting? I mean, you could have done a whole bunch of different things with blockchain technology. Why voting?
2: So it was a little bit of a childhood experience as well. Both my brother and I grew up in India. And during the 80s, there were religious riots. The prime minister was assassinated and a lot of unfortunate things happened. Fortunately, a a family survived. But the elections for the prime minister soon after that, were held and we saw some uh, incidents where people were being coerced to vote. So being very young at the time, kind of those images stuck in our head and we didn't really know how to process them. But fast forward many years ago at this hackathon, the the ideas clicked together and the thought that, wow, this approach of using a a tamper-resistant, immutable store of data could be beneficial beyond the, the monetary use cases that are very largely prevalent. And so those two ideas kind of came together and we decided to jump in in an unexpected way.
0: So why use blockchain technology to build a voting system? How does blockchain help?
2: So for the entire voting process, particularly the digital voting process where, you know, technology is employed... There are several phases. You have the phase before somebody votes, then the act of voting, and then post voting. Traditionally, if you would utilize a standard database and you have everything in one place and you have someone who has super user access, which means it's a single point of failure or from an attack perspective. The blockchain becomes very, very useful in that kind of a scenario where now you have a distributed store, you know, encrypted digital ballots that no one can tamper with. No one can attack and destroy as a single point of failure. No government has the ability to manipulate that. No third party has the ability to manipulate that. So it becomes incredibly powerful. solves one of the biggest challenges of a digital voting infrastructure. And add to that, it offers newer auditing capabilities and brings a whole new level of transparency. So let's look at a traditional way of voting when you vote on paper. When you submit your paper ballot on the machine, you have to trust the process after that because you have no way of finding out your paper ballot once it's gone into the machine. On a digital system, it now lets voters for the first time audit their ballot end to end. So you can be assured your ballot was counted 8 p.m. Every citizen can do this or you know, a subset of citizens can do this. So from those two perspectives, we feel blockchain adds a lot of value to improving the existing process.
0: So talk about the first election you did. So our
2: very first government election was with the state of West Virginia, way back in 2018, in the midterms, a couple of counties, a very small number of voters from the military, 20 voters, We became the first group of people in uh, American election history to vote using an app-based system. So they had to scan an ID, take a selfie in the app, and then um, once they were verified, they would get access to the ballot, mark the ballot, sign, just like you would be outside of a paper envelope. And then ballot got digitally submitted, stored on the blockchain, and come election day, your clerks are able to unlock the lockbox, actually print out paper ballots, which are then tabulated just like any other absentee ballot. So it was a very, very, I would say, game-changing project, a small step towards improving and modernizing the overall infrastructure.
0: And since then, you've done 131 elections in six countries. Has there ever been any accusation of the technology not working or that the voting being improper?
2: Not so far. Each one of our elections have been very successful. Uh, there have obviously been a lot of attacks, which is fairly normal for any system that's you know online. But no one has successfully managed to tamper with even a single oval on the ballot, a lot of the voters who use the system are auditing. So, we, In the last election, we had 47% of voters check the receipts and audit, which is a great trend and we believe can help increase confidence in the overall voting process as well. But yeah, so far, we've managed to keep the system safe and secure and staying ahead of the curve from a security perspective.
0: So you mentioned a small election back in 2018 in West Virginia. And let's not, let's face it, the most populous state in the nation. But now since then, have you done voting in a presidential election?
2: Yes. So the system was used in the 2020 presidential elections as well in Utah and in Oregon. Once again, it was limited to military voters. And uh, citizens overseas,
0: voters with disabilities, were also able to use the systems. That raises an interesting question. My first reaction was, I've never heard of this. Uh, How come, if you've done this 131 times over the last couple of election cycles, how come nobody's ever heard of this? And you just mentioned that there are very limited criteria for people eligible to use your technology. You said military personnel, Americans outside the United States, people with disabilities. Why only those groups are able to use your software?
2: So in the US, the elections are governed by the states. So the federal government doesn't actually conduct elections. So every state has its own election code. And almost all of them do not permit the use of digital technology to return their ballots the only exceptions that have been permitted in the past have been for military voters they have been in some states allowed to return their ballot by email or fax none of which is you know strictly a secure or private way to return your ballot uh, mail is often inefficient for them given their location and you know where they are so it's about 5 million people around the country who are affected by this so our approach towards launching this was if you start on day one and say you're gonna replace the whole system, I think it's not not a realistic approach, especially with a sensitive technology like this. So starting small and starting with the demographics who need the most help uh, using a system like this, that was kind of the idea. And so with West Virginia taking the lead and now some other states as well, that's kind of been the approach. The law has been, in a few states, minimally modified, Utah being the first one which modified its law. so voters with disabilities could also uh, take advantage of the system. And then some states next year might allow first responders as well. So slowly, the number of people who are eligible is increasing, but it's still very, very small given the, the legal
0: restrictions. I imagine that these laws at the state level have largely been written a long, long time ago. The fact that they're allowing faxes, that was probably a big deal when they wrote that law. But when's the last time you used a fax machine? So I think that this is a wonderful example of we've got to update these laws to keep pace with current technology. And so I would hope that over time, these laws will get updated and blockchain-based voting technology will be permitted, just like one day long ago, they said yes to faxes. Absolutely. And other countries are taking
2: the lead. So Canada, a neighbor to the north, is a very good example. Their uh, municipal election law in the province of Ontario, which is the biggest state, actually allows cities and towns to innovate. And that was one of the reasons several of them selected us last year. Similarly, Estonia is a world leader. Philippines is is trying to do something similar, as is Mexico, few other European, South American countries as well. So there's this progress happening around the world. Some countries are moving faster than others.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that every legitimate democracy would love this because it eliminates the question of voter fraud, and it also makes it faster, cheaper, safer, easier to run an election, which everybody obviously would be in favor of. But at the same time, I can't imagine Putin welcoming your technology into Russia when he now that he says he's going to run for another term. So if you're a despot, if you're an authoritarian government, I can't imagine that they'll be terribly interested in this. But if you're a legitimate democracy... I got to believe there'd be a lot of enthusiasm about this. Have you run into roadblocks or obstacles or objections? Have you run into government officials saying, no, we don't like this idea?
2: Yeah, there have been a fair bit of pushback. I would say more coming from the academic community. There is fear about the internet and you know, that leads leads you to a road that you shouldn't do anything sensitive on the internet, which is not really true. A lot of sensitive transactions are happening on a daily basis. And so there is a way to do stuff safely. you follow certain best practices and you can do anything safely on the internet. so voting as well. So it's a lot about changing you know hearts and minds as well. And there have been election officials who have sort of been brave and have taken the leap. So you know West Virginia is a good example. Counties in uh, Utah and Oregon are good examples. Um, So it it requires a few brave election officials to kind of take that first leap. And then, you know, other people who don't want to be the first mover will follow because now there's enough of a proof point out there that it works, it's safe enough, and uh, it actually helps people, reduces costs. It's more auditable, still can produce paper. If you want to have paper, you can still have paper. So it's the best of both worlds. So you're right. It's a slow process, but it only takes a few initial brave souls. And I believe that kind of uh, initial momentum is is happening now.
0: So clearly a big obstacle is the law itself. You've got to get laws changed in each of these jurisdictions to permit the use of the technology. How do you accomplish that? I mean, you, you're a small little company startup business doing this. I can't imagine you can amass the lobbying machine to go into 50 state legislatures and persuade all of them to change the laws. So how do you see that happening? Who's going to champion this for you?
2: Yeah, that's the big challenge. We certainly don't have the resources to lobby in all the states. Our approach has been to collaborate with the election officials because um, they are kind of the the champions on the ground. They are the buyers of of the technology so in several states, our approach has been to pitch to them, do pilots with them, show them how it works and the benefits, amount of money they save, the cost, how efficient it is on election night. They can actually go home at 10 p.m. and not at 2 a.m. So that helps. And then they take that evidence to their state legislatures and then you know laws laws get modified. So it's a slow process, certainly not Going to accomplish very quickly. But that's been uh, helpful for us, word of mouth spreading that way.
0: Yeah, that would seem to make a lot of sense to me that the election officials are the ones who are the users of the product, really. And if they realize that this allows us to operate the election faster and cheaper, and most importantly, bulletproof meaning we don't have to worry about election frauds, people stuffing ballots or throwing away or dealing with chads and all that nonsense, they're able to go to the Secretary of State and to the governor and to the legislature and say, this stuff is fabulous, we need to broaden it. Let's not just make it available to military and Americans overseas and folks who are disabled. Let's make this available for every resident in our state it'll just eliminate the risk of all the election fraud allegations that were so pervasive in the 2020 campaign. So yeah, I can see how they would be big proponents uh, for you. And the legislature's reaction will be on top of all those benefits, it saves us money. What's not to love. So I do think that you're going to find a snowballing effect. As you pointed out, nobody likes to be first. Everybody likes to be second. And so you'll eventually get there, but the key word there is eventually. How long do you think it will be before this is generally available to most Americans in a presidential election?
2: So I'm an optimist. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this. I I really feel that uh, 2028 is a realistic possibility. Obviously, 24, as I said, smaller group of people will have access and we think 2026 in the midterms, slightly larger group of people will have access. But 2028, very realistic possibility. Some states will have this as an option for everybody in addition to in-person voting and voting by mail. So we don't think anybody should be forced to use this way of method. I think it's, it's good to give voters a choice. So if somebody still wants to vote in person at the polling station, they'll still be able to do that. Somebody wants to vote on the phone. They should have that choice. So, but 2028 is, is my guess and things are changing in other parts of the world much faster. So I think that will also help influence
0: some of the, the legislation uh, here in the U.S. Do you have any competition? Are there any other companies developing similar technology? So in terms of the
2: whole package of utilizing a native mobile application, biometrics, real-time proving, using the blockchain, still being able to produce paper ballots and giving every voter the ability to audit, it's pretty unique. There is competition, what we call as the traditional online voting players, people who have you know web-based portals where you can go online, log in, and vote. Obviously, they don't have the level of security or the auditability we are offering. There are a few companies who are doing that. But in terms of our approach, using an app, using the blockchain, we're pretty unique right now.
0: If folks watching this conversation, listening to this conversation, want to help with your initiative, how can they do that?
2: Yeah, we would uh, definitely love some help. One of the things that would really help us is citizens writing to their local election clerks, county clerks, state election directors to um, amend laws so that our system or a system like ours, technology like ours can be made available to a wider group of people. That really, really helps the voice voice of the citizens. Second uh, approach is we are gonna be launching a national initiative where everybody can, can use the system and, you know, vote in a exit poll. And so that's another way for citizens to to help. Obviously, you have to vote twice, one using your existing way of voting and another time using, using the app. But that's going to really help create momentum, get everybody an opportunity to use the system.
0: So in other words, people would vote the normal way and then they would go onto your app and vote again. That's not a real vote. It doesn't count in the election, but it... Replicates the process so people can see how the technology works, get familiar with it, and more importantly, you'll be able to tabulate their second vote. It's really more like a poll, so you can track what's happening in the election very, very quickly and accurately.
2: Absolutely, yeah. it 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 would become the most accurate real time poll in the country, and you know instant results as soon as you know polling window closes, and we feel like that could benefit. A lot of people also give people a feel for the whole uh, process. And uh, another thing I'd like to mention is if you're uh, registered to vote in Florida, the system's already available for voters in Florida. All 15 million registered voters can actually go to uh, the digitaldemocracyproject.org and vote on bills. So Florida has this unique initiative is run by a local nonprofit where every registered voter can vote on any of the bills that come into the state legislature. So it's a slight variation of, you know, voting in an election, but still gives citizens the voice. And so if you're in Florida, I would encourage you to give that try as well.
0: And we'll have the Link for you. It's in the show notes right now to both the initiative in Florida and to Nimitz website at votes.com so you can explore all of this further. This is really fascinating. I think it is long overdue. It's a wonderful example of the innovative uses of blockchain technology, which are revolutionary in its impact. And I think this is one of the most important social projects that we can come up with for this technology. So I wish you the best with this, Nimitz, and I will be. Tracking this closely myself. That's Sani. He is the co founder and CEO of Votes, V O A T Z. And the link to Votes is in the show notes. Nimit, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much, Rick. It was my pleasure. Coming up on Monday's podcast, The Retirement Plan of the Future, courtesy of IBM.
1: Support for Rick Edelman's podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Meet Carmen, an everyday person who likes working in the garden, hosting dinner parties with friends, and listening to live music. She also participates in progress by investing in a fund that supports innovative ideas. Invesco QQQ ETF allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100, so you don't have to be an engineer to help push progress forward. Anyone can become an agent of innovation. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, carefully read and consider Fund investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in prospectus at Invesco.com. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
0: Increased awareness and actionable intelligence about the forces that are shaping our world.
1: This is the truth about your future with Rick Edelman.